Hello and welcome to Lay's Think Business Podcast, powered by Bank of Ireland. Today we talk to the CEO of Aircap, Angus Kelly, a recent Irish Times Business Person of the Month in association with Bank of Ireland, about how the Irish company has become the biggest company of its kind in the world, with more than 2,000 planes, 300 helicopters and 900 engines, with its 25 billion euro acquisition of GE Capital Aviation Services. Kelly talks about reopening the Irish economy and steering an aviation business through the turbulent skies of COVID-19 and Brexit. What a lot of people in Ireland don't realise is that Aircap is, you know, pretty much the largest aviation leasing firm on the planet and it's an Irish company. How did it get to that point? How did how did we get to a point where we've uh, literally hundreds, if not thousands of, 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 of aviation uh, vehicles around the world that, that, and, and how that business works and how it came to be in Dublin? Sure, sure, John. Well, um Aircap has its roots in um, Guinness Peat Aviation, which was the one of the two original founders of the aircraft leasing industry. One was in Los Angeles called International Lease Finance Corporation, ILFC, and the other was um, GPA. Now, uh, what happened to GPA was it was incredibly successful up until the early 90s. Uh, then the Iran-Iraq war came, tried to do an IPO, it failed. It was funding long-term assets with short-term commercial paper, and that didn't work out. Business got into a huge amount of difficulty. At the same time, the company in the United States, ILFC, was on a similar trajectory, but instead of going for an IPO, sold itself to AIG, the giant American insurance company. So when GPA got into significant difficulty, eventually it did a transaction with General Electric. Uh, It was with Jack Welsh and Tony Ryan did it, where... Uh, GE purchased the vast majority of GPA's fleet of airplanes and set up a business called GCAS, which is an industry leader also. And they took many of the people from GPA. Jack Welsh was uh, very uncertain that GPA would make it and said, I don't want to buy your company. I think you're going to go into bankruptcy, but I want an option to buy it for $1 in perpetuity in case you ever are successful. That was in 1992. There's a chapter on it in Jack Welsh's biography, actually. With that, there was a new management team brought into GPA in uh, 92. Uh, A company was rescued. And in 1998, I started there in 96 as a secondee from KPMG. In 1998, we bought the option back from General Electric. And they said to us, okay, well, as part of the deal, you have to change your name. And that's why Aircap Ireland, one of our subsidiaries, is GPA Group. That's where we came out of. And then in 2000, we sold the business to a company in Amsterdam uh, called Davis Air Finance, which is owned by Daimler Chrysler and five German banks. Uh, we then bought the company back again with um, Cerberus, the private equity group, in 2005, listed it on the New York Stock Exchange in 2006. We learned a lot of lessons over the past uh, 20 years about how to run this business. And going into the financial crisis, we had uh, more liquidity than any of our competitors. And we were growing the business during the financial crisis. Um, we did the largest sale lease back ever for American Airlines when it went into Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing. We bought another smaller aircraft leasing business that was listed on the stock exchange. And then we also bought uh, the other founder of the industry, ILFC from AIG. Uh, which put the company then in 2013 as, or 14 as the largest aircraft leasing company in the world and the largest owner of commercial aircraft in the world and the biggest customers of Boeing and Airbus. 
And then more recently, going into this last crisis, again, we've learned the lessons from the past. Uh, you always have to make sure you've plenty of liquidity, assets the customers want. And um, we were able to acquire then the number two in the industry, or we're in the process of acquiring it. The deal is, uh, is done. The sale purchase agreement is signed. Uh, we're going through the antitrust um, procedures in about 20 plus countries, which is all going so far as we had expected it to go. And um, then that will take us, um, of course, just enhance our position as the largest uh, aircraft leasing business in the world. What makes Ireland so amenable to this kind of industry? Because uh, I know from, for example, from dealing with, say, likes of IDA Ireland, for example, a lot of different international companies have located here. There's a lot of interesting aerospace businesses in Shannon. What makes Ireland a perfect place for this uh, kind of industry? Well, you have the initial um, event in GPA where that got into trouble. A lot of people were let go. So they set up their own businesses. So it... Um, a, a cluster um, came out of that and it was the only thing people knew how to do. So they set up businesses. So that was very helpful. The withholding tax treaties the country had built up over 30 years and the 12.5% tax rate were the real catalyst. So you had the, 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 the skill set, you had the 12.5% rate, and then you had the, um, the withholding tax treaties around the world. Uh, and the big, But while there's a lot of companies based here, um, like a lot of industry in Ireland, unfortunately, we don't have as many of the decision makers here as we would like. And that's due to the higher personal tax rates that we have. So many people uh, will leave Ireland or they won't come here for the senior leadership. So we have a lot of people here, which is great. But what we do have, and it's true in a lot of the businesses in the economy, um, is that um, well, and what we really want is you want the decision makers here because they drive young Irish people. They give them so much knowledge. They impart that knowledge. Those people can then go and set up their own businesses. It becomes a much more sticky industry in a country when you have the intellectual capital here. If the intellectual capital of any industry is not in the country, then it's far more challenging um, to maintain it in the country when the going gets tough because people will retrench to where the decision makers are. So it's a tremendous success story. And to be fair, we have more of the front office of this business here than any other industry. Um, but we could have more. We should have more. Mm. And, and tell me about your own arrival in the industry. I mean, you mentioned there you, you came from KPMG. So accountant by training? Yeah, I was in KPMG and pretty much the day I started there, GPA was their biggest client. And I was sent down to Shannon on secondment and um, never left the place. Uh, <laughs> they hired me um, while I was on and said to KPMG, look, you know, when he's, we just want him to stay here. And uh, when he's finished his contract, uh, we're going to offer him a job. And um, KPMG said, fine. Very good. And did you, did, you, did you admit to yourself as well that you caught the bug of aviation? Was it something that fit well with you at the time? Oh, I think so. Um, well, it was intrinsically interesting. And then very importantly, when you went down, even though... In 1996, a company that had been a global leader out of Ireland, of which there were virtually none in the 80s and 90s in Ireland. And yes, it had fallen on terribly difficult times, um, you know, disastrous times almost. But there was still a belief with the small group of people there that they could take on the world and they could beat it. And that's infectious, um, that you have the combination of an, an incredibly exciting industry that's growing, which is very important to say that to anyone who's looking to business, get into an industry that's growing, not one that's declining. And two, there was a group of people there 
who they believed they could take on anyone they were as good as or better than anyone anywhere in the world. And that's that, that belief um, is something everybody needs throughout their career. Sometimes people have to remind you of it um, in dark times that you can do it. If you if you work extraordinarily hard and you have a great group of people around you who are uh, all committed to the same goals, there's uh, there's nothing you can't do. What's the quote? Uh, Margaret Mead. Um, uh, Don't ever doubt that a small group of committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. I think that uh, that was something that uh, uh, that will always stay with me from those days, and I hope will always stay in this company. And I get the sense from what you were talking about earlier on about the importance of bringing in senior leadership and making the tax conditions right, that I get the sense there's another chapter about to be written about that industry. And, and it could be written from here as it already, a huge part of it has. But I sense that you feel strongly that there's a whole new generation of young people who could really benefit. Well, I think more generally for the economy, I think Brexit's an incredible opportunity for this country. Incredible. We're the only English-speaking country in the European Union. We should embrace it. We shouldn't be fearful of things. Life's about taking risks. I think just too often in this country in the last few years, we've been too afraid. And we have to go out there and go for it. Brexit is a great opportunity. But you have to put the conditions in place to maximize it. It's a one-time shot to bring in massive amounts of investment that are going to go somewhere. They are going somewhere. We know that they won't go to the UK as much as they have. FDI is the, the UK is the biggest recipient of FDI in the world. They're very competitive on how they compete. And it's, it's brutal out there, you know, um, John, every day countries competing for jobs, particularly post-pandemic as the world is going to be a more challenged place. It'll be that more, uh, uh, more difficult to attract high-class um, industries and, and, um, You know, we need a few vertebrae in the backbone of our leadership to do the right thing rather than what's expedient in the short term. And I just want to ask you about the aviation sector. Now, turbulence is a term you obviously associate with air travel and planes. But the last year and and last year, four months for, for the Irish economy particularly has been a roller coaster. But every economy around the world has felt this. But from the point of view of the aviation sector, now you think the obvious thing you think is, oh, well, no one's flying at the moment or lesser, less amounts of people are flying at the moment. But goods still need to get around, you know. So from your from your um, position watching this world, how do you see it? How do you sum up the impact of the of the COVID crisis on 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 the aviation sector that you serve, but also then looking to the future? Now, there's many people saying, "Will people travel again?" And if they will, I mean, I, I predict people can't wait to travel. Personally, I think that's what they're, they're itching to get out and uh, get to the sunny climes. But you know, it isn't just about people movement; it's also about goods movements. And I just want to get your overall perspective from from where you sit. Well, you know, we look at all things around the world, you know, and have done for the last year as the industry has begun its recovery in other parts of the world. I mean, Ireland is, you know, probably the least. Well, it is. I know it is uh, the least advanced country in the developed world in terms of restarting the economy, and uh, we're paying an enormous bill for that every day. Uh, so if we look at China, it's back at 110% of what it was flying before the pandemic. And that recovery started um, in June of last year. In the US, we're back to about 75% of pre-pandemic traffic levels. The US, the US is booming. Um, Ireland, every day you look at the European traffic statistics, is last every day. Um, and even though we're in Ireland, which accentuates the problem even more, 
because if you're a land connected country, you don't need aviation as much. So if you're the island and you're last out of 30, you're you know, that much disproportionately a lot worse than anybody else. And, you know, how, what has it got us? Have we really done any better than many of these countries? Not really. Um, and so Ireland's position um, is not anywhere near indicative of the rest of the world. We're leasing airplanes in the US, we're leasing them in Asia, and we're starting to lease them in Europe, which is it, because airlines look at leasing airplanes and say, okay, I'm optimistic about the future, I want the airplanes now. So that's occurring and it's public, you know, we think we leased, it was in our public data, 70 airplanes in the first quarter, which was, we normally lease one every 24 hours. So that dropped um, a lot in Q2, Q3, and it started to rebound in Q4. And we're on a global base. So you can see that as uh, obviously we lease nothing in Ireland. We're taking airplanes out of here. Um, so so I, I think that um, the aviation industry will grow. I've no doubt about that. Uh, when you look at it out of, out, out of a small country like Ireland, of 5 million people, the population of Greater Manchester, you're not getting a world view. And I suppose final question to you is, if, if a young person today was looking at your industry say, I want to join this industry, there's lots of choices if they want. There's technology, there's all kinds of interesting industries to join and train for. If someone wants to be part of the aviation sector, what kind of skills are, are training or education should they be vying for if they want to be part of that industry? Well, there's numerous ways into it. Um, UCD now offer, and which we uh, sponsor along with some of the other aircraft leasing companies, a master's program in aviation finance and law. So that's one certainly way into one part of the business. Engineering is another way in. Um, so a lot of engineers work here um, because we're buying airplanes, we're, we're maintaining aircraft. They're very complicated machines. So engineering, law is another way. There's a, there's a lot of legal transactions here. Uh, banking is another way. So, and then obviously the accountancy role. So I'd say any of those professions, engineering, law, banking, accounting, um, they all have a path in here. And of course the program itself in UCD, which we do like because it shows someone is genuinely committed to it from the start, um, that they've made that decision to go into that program straight out of um, the undergrad. Uh, but like, it's, it's like anything, John, you know, I, I just think once you're in somewhere, you just got to work as hard as you possibly can and then you want to be in, a, in an industry that's growing and a company that is a meritocracy. With that, Angus, thank you so much for your time. That was a wonderful interview. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Pleasure, John.